0: Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. And welcome back. I am here today with Will Wilfredo Benitez. Uh Will, thanks for uh thanks for joining in today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jonathan, for for having me on the podcast.
0: For sure. So your your Instagram bio says Optimizing Nutrition for Athletic Performance, Injury, Recovery, and Health uh, out of Portland, Oregon. So uh, with with that set as the as the groundwork, uh who is who is Will?
1: Who is Will? Will is a uh a passionate uh guy um who who's just trying to do his best at uh helping others do their best. Um uh, that's pretty straightforward. I think that captures it and it's just a matter of of how I do and how well I do it. That's the journey. Um <laughs> totally. you know, I started out as a as a teacher uh career wise, you know, professionally uh before I got into nutrition. Um, I was a school teacher. it's funny one of the uh the Instagram pictures you shared was of me in a school. actually, I was uh, doing some uh, nutrition classes at a particular school and I got into that just because of my background in uh, formal education. I was teaching fourth and fifth grade uh, out of college back in New Jersey, uh, where my wife and I are from, and you know at some point we moved here to Portland, Oregon for her to go to medical school. I learned, or I guess I realized that uh, nutrition was more so my passion and uh, teaching, not necessarily kids, but teaching wasn't my my life passion. Um, And so I I returned to yet again graduate school, uh, this time for uh, nutrition science and pursued a master's degree and and attained that. And uh, just that started my professional uh, nutrition journey. and now I'm just helping others, other kinds of people, right? Not not fourth and fifth graders uh, in a different way. I mean, I'm helping probably the community and the kinds of people that I feel like I'm more closely aligned with. So it's a pretty um, seamless or it was a pretty seamless transition uh, working with this population. That's awesome. So
0: the goal of my podcast is interviewing people with interesting stories or um, people who are far along in their athletic careers. And recently I've sort of opened that up and explored professional excellence as well. So I think I think that there are some crossovers between what it takes to be a really good athlete and what it takes to be a really good professional uh, who happens to work with athletes or maybe doesn't work with athletes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here. But um, talk to me a little bit about your own athletic background to start.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, with regards to running, uh, I've been running since high school, as I'm sure uh, was has been the case for for many people who start, you know, track and field kind of situation. Uh, Did not run cross country. Um, My my first and true love actually is soccer. Um, So, you know, just playing soccer since I was, what, four or five years old, whenever you can kind of get started uh, in the local leagues. Um, and then you know that was in the in high school fall season is soccer season so I never did cross country uh, just stayed into uh winter and, and spring track uh, started as a sprinter uh probably got some speed from all the soccer i was playing and uh did not run collegiately uh i just i guess wasn't good enough uh, probably had a lot of uh, uh hamstring issues and knee issues in high school that kind of set me back a little bit and i can kind of go into that at some point about maybe why I got into nutrition uh cuz I think that's part of my journey and my story um but in college I did end up running for like a local club uh they were called the Garden State Track Club they're actually still in existence um and that got me into to running again kind of doing like 5k 8k kind of stuff um so essentially uh cross country I just kind of started late um, and then shortly, uh, or mid mid college, uh, probably around junior year, uh, I got into more distance. So I ran my first marathon, and then I actually ran my first ultra marathon my senior year. Um, and in between the first marathon and first ultra, uh, I ran a uh, or sorry, I, I competed in my first triathlon. And for a little bit, caught caught the triathlon bug, but it was really the uh, the ultra running distance got that got me. Um, so I've probably done i don't know eight or so since then, but yeah, I mean that's a little bit into my my running journey, and like i said i, I soccer is my 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 first and true love um i mean running is what I do every day, but soccer soccer does it for me, and uh luckily here in portland uh, this is soccer city u s a so i I balance out all my running with uh soccer pretty much pretty regularly, you know before covid nineteen kind of took over but uh, yeah, that, that's a little bit of my, my background into athletics. Awesome. What is it about ultras that, uh, that drew you in? You know, I, I've been thinking about this cause I, I, I love running fast. You know, I, I was a sprinter starting out. I, I love, uh, I love track workouts. I love uh half marathon because I think it combined the a distance with some good speed. um, But ultras, I don't do that, right? Like I don't run fast. I'm not competing necessarily. I have goal times, but I'm not trying to win the things. Uh, So I think it's more about just being out there in nature and and running. You know, ultimately I just love running. Um, And that's probably even partly why I love soccer so much because I'm one of the fastest on the field uh, pretty much any given time. Uh, And it's just about running for me. I just feel free when I'm running. And I think that's what it is with ultra running. I just, when I'm not going in there, treating it like a marathon or half marathon race. Um, I can just kind of be one with nature out with nature and just, you know, enjoy just the pure movement of running, um, amongst the trails and the trees. And I think that's it. It's just kind of like my Zen place.
0: That's awesome. And so, um, moving into what you're doing professionally, how, how did, that career develop, how did you get to a point where you're, where you're now working with some of the top athletes in the sport?
1: Yeah. So again, I think, um, I mentioned passionate in my introduction to will, um, I think something, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but another word that I know has been used to describe me. And then I've pretty much accepted, uh, because it's true is, uh, ambition, uh, or ambitious, uh, I've got a lot of ambition. I I I want to be the best I can be, live my best life. You know, uh, on pace wellness is my my baby. It's my business, and I, I want to see it flourish and thrive. So I put a lot of energy behind that. Um, starting out of out of school when I when I finished my master's degree, um, I actually wasn't immediately going to go into kind of like the sports nutrition, performance nutrition direction, um it was mostly actually going to be uh, kind of like clinical nutrition. And I have to say, I don't really practice in that way, but it was mostly going to be about like uh, preventative healthcare medicine, uh, using nutrition as kind of my way of helping people stay healthy, you know, combat chronic illness, things like that. And I do do some of that with other clients who aren't, you know, falling into my performance nutrition um, net, if you will. Um, but at some point I realized I was just naturally gravitating towards athletes, um, and vice versa. Like they were just coming to me. People were referring them to me. I think that's just because like I was involved in the running community here in Portland. Um, knew a lot of the you know sub elite and, and elite runners from just kind of outreach and networking and attending events and things like that. Um, and and even soccer, you know, definitely uh, soccer clients as well. Kind of finding me for for pretty much the same reason. Um, and I realized, like, I just feel or felt like most at home in that community. Like, I, I, it was just like a really natural, you know, natural conversations that were happening, just a natural flow to work with that population. And I, and after I realized that part, I realized that I really love like helping people thrive and and achieve their goals. And you're an athlete, you you know, athletes like. We have we have real goals you know we we, we want to demand a lot of our body we want to hit that mark improve our uh, our times or our, our performance on the field whatever it is and I just realized I get a thrill at, at helping athletes kind of be their best uh, and kind of like supplementing or complementing uh, what their coaches and trainers are, are doing for them um, and so that's where I really got into like okay I'm going to work with athletes. Like that's just what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm not, you know, not going to work with other people, but obviously that is like my main clientele. And so when I, when I realized that I just started um, uh, networking in a different way, I've always been a pretty good networker. I love having conversations and meeting people and I'm, I'm not shy in that regard. Um, And, and, you know, I just, I just know that it can be really valuable, especially for a a small business owner. Um, And so I just started, reaching out and making connections to uh, organizations or companies or coaches or uh, physical therapists, what have you, um, that work with the kind of people I want to work with, you know, with athletes, uh, with soccer athletes, with runners. Um, and so uh, when when I started to make those connections, um, things just started to click. And I just got wrapped into other networks uh, that were working with uh, pretty, you know, well-established uh, high-performing athletes. Um, and that's kind of where, where it started. And I think, you know, those connections, I just built off of them and kind of like with anything, word of mouth happens. And, you know, if you do a good job, then people tell their friends about you and their teammates. And, uh, it just kind of spirals in a really good way, uh, from, from that point. And that's just what I saw happening over the last couple of years. Um, and so, yeah, I've been able to get connected to some pretty high-level athletes and uh, and teams and uh, have had the really good fortune of of working with some incredible athletes, you know, elite-level athletes, professionals, uh, some at the Olympic level, and it's just been a pretty great ride so far. That's awesome.
0: So we both do a fair amount of work within the trail and ultra-running community, and you've got athletes like Cap Bradley and Hilary Allen and Lucy Bartholomew. Um, Jordan Hesse on the roads and, and many others, what have you, what have you learned or, or what have they learned about how the nutrition requirements of high level athletes, how does that compare to someone who's not running, you know, 80 or hundred miles a week or training for Western States or, you know, training for the Olympics and things like that?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So I I can speak to what I think are the differences um, as far as like what they've learned. uh, I can I can touch on that I think, but as far as the differences just between like those high level athletes who are just really you know putting in that kind of work, those kind of hours, that kind of mileage, um, versus like a more recreational runner. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is stress. Right, I mean, they are just putting on so much stress on the body, and I think when when you're doing that, like that's that's uh, where the nutritional needs are are vastly different um, because you you need extra fuel not only because you're kind of putting in that mileage, but you're just demanding so much of your body, demanding so much recovery of your body um, that you need not only more fuel, you can just get that anywhere, right? You can just consume any kind of uh, extra amount of calories if you're just looking for for calories sake. Um, but where you need to kind of take your nutrition game to the next level is when you're really at that high mileage, you know, 80 plus miles on a very consistent basis. When you're up in the mountains, you know, trying to, win the next ultra marathon distance race, whatever you're doing, um, then, then, you know, not only does your training have to, uh, get to that next level, but you have to bring other things with it. Like you have to up your recovery game and within that is nutrition. So you, you really need to kind of dial that in. And I think these athletes at, at, at some point, um, realize that maybe, you know, what they were doing, um, in the past just wasn't working for them anymore. You know, they've either maybe progressed, Um, or maybe their dietary uh, habits have changed, uh, or maybe, uh, and and I've seen this too, they just weren't really paying attention to their nutrition in in this kind of um, direct way. They they knew their nutrition was important. They generally know or knew how to eat well. And so they were just kind of going off of that, maybe every now and then some advice that they would get from teammates or friends or coaches. um, But they never put as much energy into nutrition um as they maybe did their, you know, physical therapy or their rehab exercises or their stretching or their actual, you know, training. Um and I think that, you know, they they get to a point where they're like, oh wait, yeah, this this can take me to that next level, which I've been trying to get to for maybe years for some of these athletes. Um, and for whatever reason, they just can't, or there's some injury setback or something just holding them back. And it's like, oh. Well, well yeah, nutrition really might be that that missing piece that I really haven't dialed in as much as I thought I did um, so I feel like that spectrum of realization where performance nutrition is something a little bit different than just general nutrition um kind of hits an athlete um, at various you know stages of their of their career in athletics um, but it's kind of along those same lines where there's there's chronic injury happening they just can't everything else is looking really great but they can't seem to progress um and even for those high-end athletes you know it's the same for them um they're all on their own journey i mean yeah they've got a lot of performance potential and uh great talent but you know they 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 have their uh, uh priorities and and they're being kind of stretched to think about training in many different ways and yeah, maybe just nutrition wasn't something that was uh, on their radar until, you know, that, that relatively later in the game. But uh, I'm just glad that it, that it's becoming more of a of a thing to pay attention to. I'm kind of seeing that across the board that that uh, athletes, people in general, are just paying attention to nutrition a lot more lately. Totally, and. Um you know, based on what I do for work, I, I
0: totally agree and see the same thing on a daily basis now more than ever before. Um, in this COVID-19 era, um, there are a couple of things, there are a couple of things you can do to prepare yourself or to control, right? You can social distance, you can wash your hands and you can get your body in the best shape possible. And so I feel that people are, people are finally understanding that, um, like the impact of, of quality nutrition and you can do that while eating pizza and you can do that while eating ice cream, but you, you still need, you know, the, the pieces of that puzzle that'll, that'll get you um, into a place that is productive and, and prepares your body to, you know, to be in great shape.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more.
0: <laughs> I mean, so, that's, and that's um, where I, I,
1: th- I feel like, um, oh, sorry, Jonathan. No, go ahead. Um, go ahead. But you, and you're you mentioning COVID and, and like that realization, like I saw that happening. Uh, I mean, no one really told me that. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about nutrition because I was just stressed and anxious and eating whatever. And then it clicked. But I feel like that's what happened. Like in the beginning, when like COVID like really hit this country, um, things got really quiet on my end. Like I wasn't really getting uh, any new client inquiries, or it was just noticeably quieter. Um, And like about three or four weeks later, uh, things just started ramping up. And I, I think it was like that. I think people were just like, of course, there was just this huge transition that everyone was going through. But I think when people did kind of adjust and realize, oh, I can still be active and maybe even being more active just in a very different way. um, I think they might've just realized, oh yeah, now I should actually be paying attention to my nutrition because like, uh, just to support my immune system. But then also, you know, I'm not going to be sedentary during this time. Like I'm going to stay healthy and get as healthy as possible to make sure I get through this time. Okay. Um, So it's actually kind of neat to see like this really quiet period where maybe there's just a lot of like uncertainty and confusion. And then, all of a sudden people are like, you know what? No, I'm going to actually take control of this situation and do, you know, good, get outside more, go hiking, go, you know, run some more, try a different kind of workout, reach out to a nutritionist. Like I just kind of saw that, that transition happen, you know, while we were in like that month of March and April. And it was just kind of really cool to see. Um, and again, no one like told me like, yeah, I'm taking control back, but that's really what it felt like. Um, so I, I, yeah, yeah. it's Just fascinating a, an observation.
0: Yeah. It's fascinating. We, we explicitly had people tell us that, um, like, uh, frontline healthcare workers came to, came to us at Insight Tracker and essentially said, Hey, I'm expecting to get sick and I need to be in, in fighting shape. Like these were, this was feedback that people volunteered to us and mm-hmm. said, Hey, um, I, I I'm I'm expecting this, and I know that there are things I can control before things that I can't control happen. Um, and it's it's just interesting to see you know the the shift from um, oh yeah, nutrition is something that is is going to help me in the long run. Um, I think the immediacy of it and the immediacy of the potential impact um, is helping more mainstream Americans versus high end athletes who use nutrition so that they can, you know, run a hundred miles or race a marathon or whatever it might be. Uh, that's an immediate gratification as well. Whereas the average person, uh, doesn't might not necessarily have had that, uh, sense of urgency in the past. And, and again, now it's something that is controllable. Like you can control what you eat. Um, and, and there's not, there are control has been removed in other aspects of our life. So, Um, it's, it's interesting to see, to see that, um, unfold.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: So on the topic of immunity, um, what are some of the foods or, or some of the things that you focused on with your athletes, uh, at this time?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there are some pretty key, uh, immune boosting foods that I think most people know of, uh, you know, you think uh, um, immune support you think uh lemon garlic ginger those kind of things and sometimes people you know make it into a tea and do do a, kind of like a lemon ginger tea so we have some staples you know in in the immune system supporting uh realm of nutrition and as i just mentioned three there um but generally i mean what we want to do for boosting the immune system is not only focus on those heavy hitters, but just having the whole nutrition uh, be more of like an anti-inflammatory, promoting uh, nutritional approach. Um, And so that's kind of honestly what I do anyway. There's really nothing that I do with any client, no matter their level of activity or athleticism, that is going to be promoting inflammation. So um, if anything, I've just kind of, Besides the right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so that's a good point. Like, you know, when I, when I'm working with those athletes who are at the higher, higher mileage or, or, you know, greater hours uh, throughout the week, it's, if anything, being a little bit more, I don't want to say strict, but just, um, uh, taking, taking a, a more of a, hey, let's, watch what you are eating approach. Um, and I'll explain that in a second because actually I'll just get into that now. Um, what I what I typically do is kind of make a diet more anti-inflammatory by increasing certain foods or certain food categories um that have those benefits. Have you know, they're anti-inflammatory, they're antibacterial Um, they buy all the nutrients to really support a healthy immune system healthy bodily functioning so i do that for a while in the beginning and of course it depends on on the nutritional baseline of that particular person or athlete Um, and just really changing their habits and routines around nutrition to promote those new foods or increased uh, healthy foods and then what i'm doing also with those high mileage athletes who are as you said like increasing inflammation from their strenuous exercise um is not only stopping there it, but kind of backing off or reducing sometimes even eliminating um some more of those pro inflammatory foods for for those people um i typically don't do that in the beginning i kind of take a more um if anything, like positive approach to my nutrition coaching than a negative approach. And what I just mean by that is, you know, increasing healthy foods versus decreasing. So essentially saying yes, yes, yes to these foods versus no, no, no to these foods. And I think just at a psychological level, um, that really helps. You know, that's kind of how I was trained. Uh, I've seen it be uh, better received by clients throughout my you know career here. Um, and so I've just kind of taken that and kind of made it like a firm part of my, uh, nutrition coaching, uh, practice. But, you know, again, with those higher level athletes who are just increasing inflammation so much from doing the thing that they love or the thing that gets them their income, um, I need to be a little bit, I need to take a different approach with them.
0: How, how do you take an athlete who has never thought about, um, focusing on nutrition and help them? see so maybe they've you know reached out and they had a friend who had great results from working with you or somebody else uh, and now and now they're interested how do you how do you help someone take the first steps to making a change
1: sure I mean I think just explaining especially for an athlete I think the first thing I'm going to try to do is frame my language in such a way that shows them that look I we you know our work together this is going to make, you a better athlete, you know, as an athlete, you, 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 again, um, you have these goals, whatever those goals are for that particular person Um, nutrition and optimizing it in the way that we're going to is only going to help you in your pursuit of those goals. Um, And I think when I, when we frame that language that way, I mean, when when you tell someone, Hey, I'm going to help you achieve the very thing you've been trying to achieve or help you get to your, your goal athletic, your, your, your ideal athletic self. Um, and, and here's how we're going to do it. You become a lot more receptive to whatever that person's going to say next, right? Like they've piqued your interest. They're speaking your language. Um, and I think as a, as a runner, as an athlete, like I am, I don't say very good at doing that, but I just naturally do it because I, I have those goals. You know, I, I, I'm going through that, that journey myself. You know, I, I, I haven't run my first hundred miler yet, but it was on the on the docket for this year. Um, You know, I I, want to I push my body just as much as as most athletes do. Um, And so I understand that language. I can kind of empathize. I can reciprocate their feelings. And I think that really helps kind of get them on board with just trusting me. And then the nutrition part comes in where it's like, look, we're going we're gonna to do this at your pace. You know, there's a reason my, my business name is On Pace Wellness. Um, it's because I, I try to make it so that our approach is specific to them. And what that means is that it's specific to their um, athletic output. It's, it's specific to their dietary preferences or restrictions. It's specific to their body needs. You know, athletes sometimes have non-athletic interests in mind if they're dealing with a bunch of gi issues or skin conditions um, i see some anxiety up there uh you know these are things that aren't necessarily performance nutrition but i still want to address it through nutrition because it can be done um so i i think they they're receptive to the nutrition part when i show them that look this is going to be at a pace that works for you that progresses as you progress and, and the best way I explain it to people I think at least is that I'm essentially like their coach you know I'm, an, I'm a nutritionist or a nutrition coach and so our approach almost looks the same as a training plan you know we're gonna build off of of the weeks that we work together we're gonna you know every week every couple of weeks we're gonna progress our plan just as you would um, your athletic training plan. Um, and I think when, again, when I use that language that they really understand and they can get behind, uh, they they trust me, they trust the process. Um, and then once I have that trust and build that rapport, I just have to sit back and and let the athlete do what the athlete does, which is just, for the most part, stay committed to the process. You know, they're pretty disciplined individuals. Um, and as long as I'm steering them in, the good, in a good direction and and progressing them in a in a manageable, sustainable way, um, the athlete typically does a really good job with this process. Again, because they just tend to be such uh, committed individuals, right? Um, so it, it's kind of nice working with athletes in that regard. Um, I don't have to push, push, push too much because they just don't need it. They they've got it in them, right?
0: definitely all right so switching gears a little bit one of the things you mentioned there that um uh caught my ear was the fact that you said you were planning to do your first 100 miler this year um how did you how did you come to that decision
1: <laughs> um well it's it's kind of like for for the runner that starts off with the couch to 5k program uh at some point they they catch the running bug and they're like, you know what, at some point I'm going to do a marathon. Um, I don't know when that is. Maybe maybe I'm going to hate it, but I just feel like it's, it, I need to do that. And and maybe they're am thinking that right away. But I think at some point it's very common for that novice runner to be introduced to the marathon, whether it's from a friend or from something on social media, and it plants that seed. And I think for a, a, a an ultra runner just starting out, as I said, I, I did my first ultra back in my senior year of college. Um uh, you know, learning about ultra running and, and kind of doing my, my research as I put together my own training plan back then, of course I came across hundred mile races and training plans and articles. And, you know, I looked up to Scott Jurek, uh, who was kind of like a legendary ultra runner. Um, and, you know, heard about that distance and realized what the human can run a hundred miles. Um, cool. Choice. You know? Right, right. And my first one was actually 50. I didn't even start at the 50K. So um, oh, wow. I, did, I just jumped right into the 50 miler. And it was tough. I learned a lot in that one. I'm kind of glad I didn't do what I set out to do because it, I think it taught me to reevaluate and be okay with uh, adjusting and, and not exactly meeting my expectations in the beginning. But anyway, what it did was was just plant that seed, you know, for, for a hundred miler. And so that was many years ago. Uh, and I've, like I said, I've run, I don't know, six, seven, eight ultra since then. Um, but never that hundred, you know, I, I've done 50 miles, 50 Ks, hundred Ks, timed ultras, you know, six, 12 hours. Um, but I've just not hit that hundred mile mark. And that's just essentially the marathon for, for ultra runners. Um, so it's definitely something that I, have been wanting to do for many years. Um for about two or three years I've just been putting it off uh, for many valid reasons, graduate school and uh, teaching in graduate school again and then uh, starting my own business. But now I feel like I'm at a point, whoa, I I felt like I was at a point where hey, you know what? 2020, this is it. You know, new decade, feeling good. My business is going well. Let's make it happen. But then of course, you know, COVID just came in here like a wrecking ball and uh, changed everything for for everybody so um if not this year next year i'm pretty confident that's awesome um
0: i i sort of got into ultra running in a similar way um what i do for work obviously i i'm around a lot of trail and ultra runners and it's just like normal to run 50 miles 100k 100 miles etc um and it just became a thing that like oh yeah that that sounds like it would be fun to do. And so last (laughs) year I, (laughs) last year I ran my longest, um, my longest run, my longest time on feet. And it just like, it opened up my eyes to this like whole new experience. It's so different than, than redlining a marathon. Uh, whereas like you, you can talk, I mean, you can talk when you're racing a marathon, but it's a bit different. Um, you're not going that fast when you're when you're going that long and so it's like it's a totally different experience I feel like it's it's more f- mental than physical obviously there you get to a point where there are physical challenges you need to overcome but um, I think that's what I find so fascinating about the distance and really the reason I, that I have this podcast is to like explore like what happens after hour four or hour five or hour six and where does your head go and where does your where does your mental state go um, when things aren't comfortable? So I, I enjoy having that conversation with professional and elite runners because um, it, you know, for one reason, but they get, pay, they get paid to do it or it's part of their, you know, it's part of their persona, it's part of their their contract and whatnot. But then there are people like you and I who, you know, we don't, we don't, get paid to run these long distance races and it's a different Oh, we're we're paying <laughs> um, yeah we're we're pay, we're literally paying for this uh <laughs> good point um and so it it changes it a little bit and you know like you said we're not winning the races we're not we're not even in consideration for that kind of stuff so so what what is it about the the longer distance that um, or let's put it this way where? What are you thinking about after your fifth hour? Let's say.
1: Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like every every time I'm at that point, I gotta say, I think it varies. Um, it's 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 actually kind of hard to answer that question because there are, there are times I I remember and also at the same time don't remember, and I think yeah, what I've learned from that is like I think there are times when I'm at that point where I don't even know where my mind is. Like I'm at, I'm in such a unique and almost like impossible to achieve like mental place where like only something like running whatever pace for five or six hours can like get you, you know? So it's almost kind of hard to be like, Oh, you know, like when you're doing this and you just kind of lose it and you just kind of forget where you are. It, It is kind of like that, but, but, even more intense, you know, where like my body's shut down and and it's not actually shut down. Maybe actually my body's not shut down. My brain is almost kind of shut down. My body, I've many times is just kind of moving from like rope, like muscle memory. It's like, oh, well, we've been doing this motion for four or five hours. So it's just going to continue. And my mind is no longer even really having to push it. My mind is actually somewhere completely else probably trying to deal with like sometimes you know intense physical discomfort not necessarily pain i've never really run through pain in a in an ultra marathon but i've definitely run through a lot of physical discomfort where i feel like if i stop i'm not going to be able to move again that kind of thing <laughs> um yeah and like i think it's my body is just uh, sorry my mind is just like trying to get me through this while also very very much so trying to have me enjoy everything about that experience. Again, it's like this really weird, unique thing. Cause I absolutely love ultra running. I love being out in nature. I love just moving and breathing and doing that kind of stuff for that long. So I know my body is like really enjoying it. And and my mind is trying to keep me in a really positive place. But at the same time, I know that I go through some deep, dark, kind of areas when i'm at that point like at that five six seven hour mark Um, and and yeah i mean it's so hard to explain that but i think if you're an ultra runner and you've gotten to that hour mark you know what i'm talking about Um, and you know kind of how hard it is to actually put words to it you just kind of got to feel it Um, but but at the same time i also love it You know, I think that's part of the ultra running experience is like pushing yourself to not only like physically run that distance or, you know, run those mountains or whatever the case, whatever you kind of, um, love of ultra running and trail running. Um, but I think there's just like, you know, the marathon pushes for sure. There's a mental component to marathon running and marathon racing, but it really pushes your body in a different way because mostly, For the most part, you're running on on road, which is a lot more impact on the body. But then also you're probably racing for a time. Um, Whereas in ultra running and trail running, it's just like you said in the beginning, it's just such a mental game, almost the entirety of it. Um, Like if you're going to run 50K, 50 miles, 100K, you've put in the hours, you've put in, in the mileage. So physically, like you should be able to handle it when you've got to that point. But mentally, it's just such another matter when you're, you know, going up and down elevation and you're out there for seven plus hours. uh, And it's just like, that's, that's the challenge is like, how am I going to get through this mentally? And I think when you do it and you finish, you're like, wow, I did that. What's next? Like, what else can I push myself mentally to do?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's that, like that mental level up. Um, So I did the Grand Canyon, I did rim to rim to rim in October. And yeah, I did the training to get to be able to stand at the start of that um, in a responsible manner. But my longest run to date before that was a 50 K and this was a third longer than that. Um, so it was just like, it was the coolest feeling getting to the other side of the Canyon, standing at the North Rim thinking, okay, cool. I just matched my longest run ever. Um, now let's do it again. And it's just, uh, it, that's the stuff that I think is, is just fascinating. And again, that's why I have this podcast. Cause I love, I love hearing people's stories and people's why of like, why do you do it? Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's uh, is that exploration that, that, you know,
1: it's the unknown. Hmm. Yeah. And I think another big part of it, as you probably know from just being involved in the community is, I mean, the running community at large is just, probably one of the best communities in the world, but the trail running community and the ultra running community is just like a, a degree. I think up from that. Um, it's just such a tight knit. It's so small, you know, when you really think about it. Um, and it, it's just a really close, like loving, super supportive community. Um, and I think there's something to that too. Cause I feel that, Literally, and I felt it in every single race or group run that I've been a part of that has been like on the trails or you know been out in nature. Um, and I think that definitely fuels the fire even more. Um, it's just that overall, like, just I've had amazing experiences at these at these events, um, and I think that's just kudos to the to the trail and ultra running community for just being like a super special kind of kind of people, I guess.
0: Definitely. I would, I would absolutely agree with that. So what are you doing, uh, the rest of the year from, uh, from a running and training perspective where, what are you focusing on?
1: Yeah. I mean, races are kind of unknown. I haven't even, you know, I was going to do some June ultras, but, uh, obviously not anymore. I mean, I think personally speaking, well, I'm upping my mileage and just kind of keeping a really good Base right now um i am thinking uh, of just kind of doing a, a solo uh wildwood end to end which is a uh, oh, nice. wildwood is a, a trail over here in forest park in portland oregon it's a pretty popular trail uh in this area and maybe in the pacific northwest you probably have heard of it um and it's a it's pretty much a 50k one way um so i've been thinking about doing uh that again end to end so I, well, I guess end to end to end is maybe hit. Cause I, I want to go there and back. So I actually want to make yeah. it to a hundred K. Cause I'm, I'm, I have not done one, you know, one way I've not done the, the 50 K, but I'm, I'm quite confident. I could do that now, you know, slower maybe than mm-hmm. I would have loved to do, but uh, it's that, that end to end to end is really what I'm I'm looking at. So, I think I might do that solo maybe sometime in June as I was already planning to do an ultra at that point. Um, And it's looking like things aren't going to change too, too much, you know, with COVID and everything by then. So I might still have like the the time and and mental focus for it. And then in the fall, we'll just kind of see what opens up. I'm feeling really good on the roads right now. And I wish that there was a a marathon coming up because I feel like I could (laughs) probably do something decent. But um, well, again, you know, I might just hold on to the energy for, for the fall or depending on on, on the ultra scene, uh, maybe do uh, 100K, maybe 100 miles. Like I said, that's still on my radar. I'm open to it being in 2021, but uh, it would be cool to do it in the fall. Um, why not end the year on a really positive note Then compared to almost how it started? Um, <laughs> that'd be at least one for the, for the books in my own personal life. Uh, so, yeah, we will just kind of see, but definitely going to still be running, you know, hitting the roads, hitting the trails and just doing what I love to do. That's for sure.
0: Awesome. Well, if we want to follow along with uh, with what you're doing or learn a little bit more about your business, uh, where can we find you?
1: Yeah. So uh, social media is definitely a great place. I'm mostly in, in, uh, active on Instagram. So I'm at on Pace Wellness, uh, And then my, my website is www.OnPaceWellness.com. And all my info is on there if you actually wanted to to reach out for whatever reason. Uh, if you're looking for some nutrition support or just a, a conversation about nutrition and, you know, how I can help you, why it matters, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I just love to, like I said in the beginning, I love to talk with people. So if you're looking for formal support or just a conversation, I uh, would love for you to reach out. My contact info is on there. My Instagram, I'm pretty accessible uh, via that. So. Yeah. Just looking forward to connecting to more people, having some conversations and, and honestly, just spreading that awareness. Uh, as you, you know, we, you and I talked about before that nutrition matters, you know, whether you're a high end athlete or you're just trying to be, you know, your healthiest self and live your best life, you know, pay attention to, to what you're eating because it's, it's really going to almost make or break like the quality of life you're going to have. Um, and so I just want to spread that awareness and if people want to work with me to improve it great otherwise you know do what you can on your own i'm I'm all about self-empowerment and and you know doing what you can uh and then seeking help afterwards um uh, so so yeah you can connect with me if you'd like
0: Awesome, yeah. Uh, Will's put out a lot of good information on Instagram, and so you don't need to be a, a client of his to benefit from uh, from the work he's doing. But uh, plenty of people have. So, thanks so much for uh, for coming on to chat today, and we'll uh, we'll see you out there. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll I'll be back in Portland sometime soon.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I Been mean, going to run in Forest Park.
0: <laughs> I'd love that. Awesome. Thanks so much.
1: Yep. Thanks, Jonathan.
0: That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run, and in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.